0: Father, it's easy to turn our eyes away from Jesus, and the things of earth grow strangely vivid, (laughs) threatening, and at times intimidating. We thank you that we gather today as your people to once again hear your word, and we pray that you would speak. We thank you for the powerful gift of the letter to the Colossians. We thank you that they, like we, often struggle with getting distracted where Jesus is not the center. He's just kind of that guy in the religious part of our lives. So we pray today that your son may be lifted up, that we may see him for all that he is. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's really nice to be with you guys today. Looking forward to uh, to sharing God's word with you because... I got to receive it first. God got to speak it into my life, which is one of the privileges of being a pastor. Now, if we were going to have a conversation uh, during the week, you'd probably have to find your way back to my office. And my office happens to be in the very center, dark bowels of the church. But you might find yourself smiling as you got close to my office because I have a watercolor portrait of myself Painted outside uh, uh, hanging outside the, uh, the door of my office and uh, it's the only portrait that's ever been painted of me. I think it's it's pretty special. Um, I received it in 2002 <laughs> and, uh, and and I was honored. Um, a, a little girl named Elena Hall painted this picture of me this portrait and and I'm see that that's why I look younger in this picture it was. It was almost 20 years ago, and uh, and and I'm grateful because because a couple things. Obviously, she doesn't think I'm a crabby pastor. I look pretty happy in her portrait, and the other is she understands that the Bible is a part of what I have to share with the congregation. So I'm I'm grateful for Elena's gift to me. She's now a senior in the aviation management program at UND, but that uh, that portrait still hangs outside my wall about eye level for six-year-olds. So anyway, so that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal that we understand Jesus, that we understand who he is in his greatness, that we understand who he is in his goodness. Because when we lose sight of that, we don't do well as Christians. That's the center of our hope. So when we're thinking these days about everyday hope, it's impossible to live with everyday hope that is more than an illusion if we lose, if we lose sight of the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. As I mentioned, one of the benefits of preaching is getting to, to hear it, to receive it uh, before I preach it. So As I was, was working on, on this sermon, and I hadn't really gotten into it yet, I was in kind of a Well, you guys know what it's like. Are you like the same every day? Do you wake up like a Labrador puppy, panting and ready to take on the day? I don't. Some days I wake up in kind of a funk. And sometimes it hangs around for too long during the day. And I I was in a stretch like that. And Kathy, my wife, was pretty good at reading my gauges. And she can tell when going through one of those times. And, uh, and so the, the, it was a busy day, and, and we went to bed and hadn't talked much during the day. Sometimes you don't want to talk much when you're in a funk, right? And, and woke up the next day, and I came home after work, and she says, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing better. She said, good. She said, what made the difference? I said, I got to work on a sermon on Colossians chapter 1 today. It was just what I needed. It was really good for me. So I pray today that as we take a look at this together that God might bring encouragement and hope to your life because we need it. And so did the first people who read this letter. They lived in a world that was obviously less developed than ours, but they had souls like ours. They thought about life like we do. They, they had the same enemy of our souls after their souls, and they had heard the good news of Jesus. But when Jesus loses his place at the center, we don't do well. They weren't doing well either. And we don't know exactly the, the, the nature of the false teaching that had afflicted them but as, uh, as uh, Corey read this morning, that, that when Jesus comes to us full of grace and truth, we need both truth and grace, and that centers our faith. So what Paul does in this letter is, is, is he speaks on behalf of God. God not only brings us to himself through the gospel to save us from ourselves and our sin and judgment. He continues to come to us again and again with just what we need and that's a clear understanding of Jesus and who he is for us and what he's done for us. I would suggest this. When we're overwhelmed by life, it may just be it's because we're underwhelmed with Jesus. When we're overwhelmed with life, It may just be that we're underwhelmed with Jesus, that we've lost sight of his goodness and his glory, his greatness. There was a book written several years ago, quite a while ago now, but I love the title, Your God is Too Small. It often challenges me because the things of earth that can grow strangely dim when we see Jesus, when we take our eyes off Jesus, the things of earth can grow strangely large. All you got to do is pick up your phone, and if you if you read your news that way, sometimes I read my news on paper. I go out in the doorstep, and I get this paper, and I read the news in the paper. But I tell you what, that can overwhelm the center of my life, and it can it can drive me to fears and anxieties during the day. Paul, um, uh J. B. Phillips said, "People who have a vague, childish affection." For a half-remembered Jesus have never used their adult critical facilities on the matter at all. They hardly seem to see the paramount importance of his claim to be God. Yet, if for one moment we imagine the claim to be true, the mind almost reels at its significance. So this morning, we are going to read together from the... uh, letter to the, uh, to the Colossians, which we began last week, uh, verses 15 through 23. As Pastor Chris preached last week, we've already been introduced to the miracle of God rescuing us, of, 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 of Him coming to our rescue as our Savior. But this morning, we're going to be thinking about who is it that comes to your rescue? Who is it whose name you bear? Who is it who is your hope? Who is it that you will stand before one day? What is he like? Well, we're going to hear what he's like today, beginning with verse 15, reading in Jesus' name. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What a powerful portrait of the living Christ. What an important call to reckon with. Should we have a vague, childish affection for a half-remembered Jesus to remember that at this moment he rules and reigns over all reality? And that is the one whose name we call on. I was listening to a bit of a marriage video by Francis Chan and his wife, Lisa, and he kind of was talking about this. He says, sometimes when we pray, we forget the one whose name we're using. We become so comfortable with, with using it that we forget the power and glory of this one whose name we're using. And I'm thinking, yes, yes, that's me. I believe in Jesus. But I need God's word to remind me what he has called me to believe about Jesus. And this morning we're reminded of his greatness and his goodness. This is God's way of straightening us out when we're off center. This is the way that God comes to us. His word gives us here a powerful picture of Jesus. And this is not unique to this letter. And it shouldn't be. The Apostle Paul's life had been captured by the glory of Christ. And the reason the church has grown when we're at its best is because we understand the glory of Christ, the glory of His greatness, and the wonder, as great as He is, and as holy as He is, the wonder of His goodness, that this is the one who came for us. This is at the center of who we are as God's people. And then when we forget that, worship does not become something that's a reflex, reaction, to what God has revealed. It's almost a selfish thing. I want to come and see what I get from worship this morning. Instead of coming into the presence of the one, as, as the author of Hebrews put it, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins. What if he hadn't? What if he hadn't provided purification for our sins? How would that go for us? But he has. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And what is he concerned about? He's concerned about us. Glory in the greatness. Jesus. We heard Corey read this morning these amazing first verses, which kind of make your head hurt (laughs) a little bit when you try to get your head around it and try to think about it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word now is referring to Jesus before he became flesh and was given the name Jesus. Jesus before he had been revealed as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, God's Messiah that would fix everything between us and God. He's referred to as the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. We're talking about everything that we can see and everything that we cannot see. It's important that we understand The glory, the greatness, and the goodness of Jesus. This is our hope. And this also is what draws us to faith. That's why throughout the New Testament, especially the Gospels, there are so many incidents which reveal just a glimpse of Jesus' glory, His goodness, His greatness. For example, there was, a, there was a time when the disciples of Jesus were on the Sea of Galilee and a storm came up. I don't know if you've ever been, up on a, been out on a lake when a storm come, comes up. Sometimes they can come up kind of quickly. I remember being on Lake Mille Lacs with my Uncle Jerry. We were fishing in his favorite spot for walleyes, and they were starting to bite, so we didn't want to leave the lake, except that the lines were not going into the water anymore. They were arcing over the water. It was really weird, and it was weird for a reason, because there was a storm brewing, and there was electricity in the air, and we realized we had to get off of that lake. Well, the disciples hadn't gotten off of the lake. They were caught in a raging storm. Jesus was sleeping, and they were frightened out of their minds. So they wake Jesus up and say, Don't you care if we drown? Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. It's Yeah, it wasn't always fun to be with Jesus. <laughs> it was always for their good. It wasn't always fun. Sometimes he has to rebuke me too for my little faith. Anyway, so Jesus is awake. He's rubbed his eyes. He's stretched, and then he rebuked the storm. Quiet! And the lake that was raging became calm again. And the men who were amazed and asked, what kind of man is that? Perfect question. Who is this? Who is this? John would write at the end of his gospel, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John John was inspired by the Holy Spirit because God wanted you to know these things about Jesus. And Jesus did these things so that you may understand what God is like, what His thoughts are towards you. This is wonderful, and at the center of it, Is Jesus the Christ? So he has authority, supremacy over all of creation. It was his idea. It was created for him. It was created through him. Wow. Wow. But there's things that we don't see that he created too. Do you believe in angels? Do you believe in demons? We should. They're real. And there are places in the world today where that is a very dominant, dominant part of trying to figure out life. Fear of what they can't see. Fear of the spirit world. And it's not that they're pretend because the spirit world does have an impact on this life. You realize that Jesus was at the Father's right hand when When the universe was formed, and before that, when the spirit world was formed, before the rebellion of the angels who became demons, Jesus is Lord over all of that. He is. He is. And so not only do we see Jesus revealing his supremacy over the created visible things, we also see Jesus revealing his supremacy over the invisible things, the things that we don't see. For example, in Luke chapter 4, at sunset, people were bringing to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one. He healed them. Moreover, demons came out out of many people, shouting, You're the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So this... Is God's good news for you as a mortal living in the created world but very much affected by the the spiritual world? That when you are in Christ, when you have humbled yourself and opened your life to Jesus Christ, the angels who do his bidding obey him. The author of Hebrews said that they are ministering spirits sent to minister on our behalf. Jesus is Lord. You know what else? The demons are scared to death of him. And they hate us. And they want to do all kinds of nasty, dirty deeds. They're afraid of Jesus. When you are in Christ, you are safe. They're afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus before he went to the cross. What do you think they're afraid of? What do you think they think about him now? After he conquered sin, death, and the devil? Afraid of him. Are you under his protection? You are when you are in Christ. You see, he's supreme over all creation, both visible and invisible. But what are his thoughts towards me? So he's so great. How can I know his thoughts towards me? Imagine for a moment that uh, you had stayed after school for play practice and it got a little late. Dad is supposed to pick you up at five. And eh, now it's about 5.15 or 5.20. Some of you parents say, yeah, I've been there. Some of you kids have too, right? What would be going through your mind if you were that child waiting for dad to pick, a, pick you up? It might be something like this. I knew it. I knew it. This always happens. Maybe it was something at work. Always something at work. He didn't mean to be late, but there's always something at work. Or maybe he stopped off at the bar and he got talking with some friends. And he hasn't looked at his watch yet, but pretty soon I hope he does. And he goes, oh, that's right. I was supposed to pick him up. I don't know. It's just like my dad to be late. Or it could be like this. I look at my watch, you'd probably be looking at your phone. Um, Dad's late. I wonder, if, I wonder if he got stuck behind a train. Maybe there was a lady that had a flat tire and Dad stopped to help her. That would be like my dad. He, he does that kind of thing. I know one thing, he didn't forget about me. He's coming. That's what my dad is like. So as we think about our Father in Heaven, what are your thoughts towards your Father in Heaven? What is He like? How do you know? How do you know what He's like? Let's read again what we read earlier. Understanding the greatness of Jesus, we're picking it up with verse 19. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in him and through him we're talking about jesus through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross we're talking about creation but then paul says once you were alienated from god and enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy. Yes, to present you holy in his sight. He looks at you through the finished work of Jesus as a child of God. Without blemish or stain, all the stuff has been washed away and free from accusation. By the way, the devil is called the accuser. He not only brings up old junk in your mind, he he brings it up to the Father. But you know what happens when he brings it up to the Father? You know about Jeff? God says, Yes, I know all about Jeff. And I loved him so much. I sent my son to shed his blood, to wash his sin, sin stains away. And to save him from his sin, yes, I know about Jeff, and I know about what you're talking about, and my son died for that. Now get out of here. Free from from blemish, free from accusation. Why does it matter to reflect on the goodness and the greatness of God? Because he is our hope. Take him out of the picture, what do we have? A few short years to do our best, with no place to go, with the times that we wish we could do over, (laughs) and no hope for the future. But if Jesus is who God has revealed him to be in his word, we have tremendous hope. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave, the God I love. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for you, and the good news of who that person that did that for you actually is. He's supreme over all. That's why Paul could say this. I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels or demons, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Is He just that guy that was, dressed, that was dressed in robes and painted in pastel colors in your Sunday school papers when you were a kid? Is he just that one that's, that's part of the religious thoughts that you have? Or have you come to reckon that he is Lord of creation, who gave his very life for you, and that you could never be more safe than when you, when, than when you are firmly resting in his promises? and his goodness for you. I think Luther um, was a pretty good believer. I think he knew about Jesus. But you know what Luther said? He said, we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. The enemy does not want you to live in the peace and hope of who you are in Jesus Christ. He wants to keep you guessing. He wants to keep you worrying. He wants to keep you anxious. And when you're anxious, he's not calling you to re-examine and do a little better, and maybe then God will be okay with you. God did something more powerful than we could ever imagine when the Lord of creation took on flesh and walked among us and washed our feet. That's what God was doing. That we might know he is not only great, but he is good and he loves you. Let's pray. Father, this morning we are we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And we wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful. And our song shall ever be how marvelous. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, when we stand and look into a dark starry sky, that we would understand that we know the one who made that. And he has chosen to deal with us in mercy and love. When we look across the badlands later this summer and go wow this is amazing may we remember the thoughts of the one who created all this not only his thoughts but what he did how marvelous so we worship you this morning and again we pray that you would continue to open our eyes to center our faith that we may rejoice in all that jesus is for us